0: Our scriptures today are found in the Gospel of Matthew. Would you stand with me for the reading? Matthew chapter 26, selected verses, and 27. When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of high, the high priest named Caiaphas, and they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur among the people. Verse 14, and then one of the 12 named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you. And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver for him, and then he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. In chapter 27, when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves and all the people said his blood shall be on us and on our children and when the soldiers had crucified him they divided up his garments among them by casting lots and sitting down they began to keep watch over him there this is the word of the lord you may be seated The book of Ecclesiastes, the second chapter, begins with those familiar words, there is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth, a time to die, a time to kill, kill, and a time Heal. When we think of the life of Jesus, those words take on added meaning. When I was asked, given the privilege to preach this section, and it was entitled The Plot to Kill Jesus, my first thought was, everybody knows that. What kind of message am I going to be able to give out of that passage? And as I begin to think about it, I was reminded of a New York Times bestseller book entitled Killing Jesus by Bill O'Reilly, the recent dismissed newscaster from Fox, but nevertheless, an excellent book, because it details and probably some of the best examination of why Rome was in its political power and how important it would have been for them politically to kill Jesus. It also details in great description the rise of the powers of the religious leaders of that day and why, politically, they were so motivated to kill Jesus. And for most of us, including myself, that kind of sums it up. The Romans had the power. They provided the machinery for it to occur. And the Jewish leaders pressed it, and it happened. Jesus dies, we benefit. But as I begin to examine the scriptures, I realize there is something here far deeper, far wider in the killing of Jesus. There are at least five other parties that are responsible. And as we've read in this passage here, first is the crowd. When Barabbas gave them the option, or when the pilot gave them the option to choose Barabbas or Jesus, the crowd said, No, we want to crucify Jesus. And he objects, and they say, Look, put his blood on our shoulders and our children. The crowd killed Jesus. But then we read in the passage where one of Jesus' own inner circle, Judas, betrays Jesus. Judas killed Jesus. But if we look even deeper, we find even more. In John chapter 18, we're told that Satan put into Judas's heart to betray and kill Jesus. Satan Kill Jesus. And then Peter tells us in Acts chapter 2, as he's preaching to the larger crowd, a much larger crowd in Jerusalem, and he says this in chapter 2:22 Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God and miracles and wonders with many signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourself know. This man delivered over to you by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. He is putting the blame on the entire nation. But it goes deeper than that. Did you hear those words that were read? Or as Peter said, this man delivered over to you by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. God killed Jesus. And besides, Jesus willingly gave up His soul when He said, it is now finished. And He bowed His head and He gave up His soul, His spirit. Jesus Let himself be killed. The whole world is responsible. Everything living is responsible for the death of Jesus. And then Paul goes on and makes it worse and tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 21. He says, we killed Jesus, to all of those beyond that particular time. You see, this is amazing when you think about it. When this was the plan all along, if we go back to Genesis 3, that he will crush Satan's head, but Satan will bruise his heel. It is the beginning statement to realize that from the very beginning of the world, Jesus was to be killed. Why? Well, the obvious reason for us, when we think about it, if it was the predetermined plan, It was for our forgiveness, right? Yes. But that's just part of it. It was so that we would no longer face condemnation, right? That's just part of it. It was so the fact that we would be able to have access to God and be taken out from underneath the wrath of God. Yes. Extremely important. But only part of it. But when you put all those things together, it's Paul in the book of Galatians that gives us what the ultimate outcome of killing Jesus meant. When he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free it was for freedom that Christ set us free." Freedom for what? He goes on in that section and He tells us, He says, "'Stand firm, therefore, and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery And he goes on to add, for you were called in verse 13 to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, in love, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the purpose of freedom is so we do not have to live in the sin that killed Jesus. And the purpose of freedom is we are given the power by which we can now kill sin. As Paul says in the Colossians put to death sin. He writes in the Galatians passage If you're serving the flesh, you're not killing sin. The sin sets itself, the flesh, against us. And the deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity. Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envies, drunkenness, carousing. And he just can't go on. He says, and things like these, on and on. Just as I have warned you. And then he gives the fruit of the Spirit. So, what do we have? We are given the power, because of the cross, because Jesus was killed, that we might live above sin, to continue to fight it and its powers. You see, the ultimate purpose of man is given to us. It is to glorify God, but how? Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 3, That we were created before the foundations of the world that in Jesus Christ we might be holy and blameless. That's what God is producing. And the only way to get there was to kill Jesus. Because that killing released the power that connects us With Jesus. And so we can read I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me." Or as he adds in chapter 2, verse 20, when he says that we are living for Christ and dying for Christ. So therefore, this week when you think of celebrating Easter, Realize that it is for freedom that gives you freedom from having to be subject to sin. And the death on the cross gives us a power that is beyond us. But a power we can partake of to live in a way that then honors what Christ did on on the cross, and what magnifies the Christ who was raised from the dead. Let's take a moment now, ponder these thoughts in your mind as we bring our prayers to our Savior.